All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. All right, welcome to episode 19 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger along with Frank Saravalli on a, on a unique night. Usually we always do this in the morning, but of course with trade deadline day, we've waited. Uh, we're doing it in the evening. All the trades are in. Now, we know where teams are setting up and uh, what they like that a lot of teams in the East making some big splashes today, Frank. Well, I guess b- before we get into all the trades and uh, you know, D'Angelo story that uh, you've talked about beforehand, uh, h- how is it for you, Frank? How many hours of sleep you got, buddy? Uh, Post deadline edition. Thank God. Um, not a lot. Uh, I'm tired. I'm really tired. This is a grueling day. Um, Cause you're, you know, Sunday was so busy with all the trades that happened. Um, you know, you're working on the Taylor Hall stuff late. Um, obviously the Nick Felino trade came down earlier on Sunday as well. There was so many that happened and then you're sort of going through the teams in your mind and texting people one by one. Hey, are you done tonight? You know, whatever. Um, and, and it's funny, like, uh, I, and I'll actually read you one text that I got. Cause I thought it was one of the best ones that I got. Uh, I had asked the GM, I said, or, or it was, so this is Sunday night. This is like the wee hours. Um, not long after the Taylor hall trade wrapped up and same thing with the, um, the Jeff Carter trade that one took forever for the league to process. And I texted a GM. I said, Hey, do you have anything else coming tonight? And he said, I am not making any more trades until 
the Philly silver haired Fox tucks himself into the fart sack for the night. And I was like, wow, like what, what an absolute beauty of a text that is. Like, I didn't even have anything to say to that. Well, so, so did, did you outweigh him? No, I was like, that's his key to go to bed. Like he's saying, go to bed. Yeah. Okay. Well, I thought maybe you just, maybe he was waiting until he went to bed to pull the trade off. So no, that was perfect. Yeah. So of all the trades today, it's funny. Maybe the one that was announced the latest was easily the biggest trade of the day because Whopper. you know it involves two players uh, that it's not a rental. It's Mantha for Verana plus Detroit gets a first and a second rounder. Um, like I, I I'm watching this trade and I'm like, okay. And I pull up all their numbers and I like, I've liked Jacob Verana. I've looked him up. Uh, his five on five scoring is pretty good. Now I know he plays with good players, but still lots of guys mm-hmm. play with good players who don't score five on five like he does. So like Mantha's six foot five, um, you know, they both scored 25 and 24 goals in back-to-back years. Why the first and the second? Like, why is, is Washington so horny for this guy? And do they just not like Verana? Well, I, I think it's probably a combination of both those things. And I, I thought my colleague Pierre Lebrun had a broken down really well that part of this trade is to unload Richard Ponick. And so that's the Detroit Red Wings flexing some of their salary cap muscle that they have because Ponick is 2.75 for, I believe two more years. And so you want to offload that one. So that's, you know, one of the picks that's involved. Okay. Uh, that's going to Detroit, whether it's the first or the second, you can take your pick. And then the other part is what existed Verona for Mantha. And so that's Verona plus one of the other picks. So it's almost like two separate deals that were combined into one. And the Red Wings, like I said, were using that might that they have to, to pull that off. Now, what's interesting to me is, and there was lots of varied reaction, not just on television, but also in talking to people around the league. And yes. my reaction is that I don't think the Washington capitals, like, I, I don't think they got the best player in the deal. Like I'm, I'm a Jacob Verana fan. And if you look, it's funny. Um, the numbers that Mantha has put up and the numbers that Verana has put up, they're very similar actually um, in terms of their goal scoring output and things like that. And I, I just, it's an, it's for me, what's most fascinating. It's not the cost certainty, because if you want to know what Jacob Verona is going to make in his next deal, like look at Anthony Mantha, like that's a really good comparable. And then the other part is why do this now? I get why Detroit did it. Cause the return was so good, but if you're Washington and you've got a team that you believe is a legitimate Stanley cup contender, and I'm pretty sure from, you know, the Intel that I have Jacob Verona is a well-liked player in that room. What's the, what's the, the push to do that now versus doing it in the summer? The, well, and it's funny, Frank, cause I, I talked to, I texted to, uh, to two GMs, granite, not guys in the East, right? So guys basically in the Western conference. And so they're far away. They're not playing them. And you know, one just told me, goes, he looked at that division and you look at all the moves that were made to those top four teams in the East uh, today that they just feel it's, it's a little bit heavier of a division. Washington feels that they can grind down other teams and Mantha's six, five compared to Verona. And I looked at their numbers too. And, and one, one uh, scout, not a, a different scout just texts me and goes, Hey, their numbers are the same, but then look at who they play with. Right. And so I think Washington believes if Mantha now gets to play in the top six in Washington, that he's going to have an opportunity 
to put up some some pretty good numbers compared to Verona. I don't know if that's true. If we'll have to wait and see if it happens, but I agree with you. It does seem like a risk because if you look at eating, you know, 2.75 of Richard Ponick, you know, that's probably only worth a second round pick. So to me, it's kind of Verona and a first for Mantha. And it's, mm-hmm. it's definitely a big risk for the Capitals. And I, the only thing I could think of is why they do it now is they feel like we're going to get four playoffs out of, out of Mantha. And you know how the playoffs is just big boy hockey. And they maybe well, you're going to get that advantage. same out of Verona. Like you would have, if you had signed him to a deal when his deal was up, like it's not yeah. like he wasn't under team control. No, no, no. I, but I'm thinking you're talking like, maybe this is a deal that you could have done in the summertime, but by then that's just one less playoff. I get what you're saying, but the Caps won a Stanley Cup in 2018, already being one of the heaviest teams in the league and toughest to play against. They did it with Verona on their roster. They've added other pieces since then. Brennan Dillon, I mean, go down the list that they're a different team now, but I don't think they lost any of that heaviness, whatever you want to call it. Um, I, this is a head scratcher to me from Washington's perspective. I totally get why Detroit wanted to do it. Because oh, yeah. You're pulling the trigger on this all day long. Well, well, to me, this is this is a coach trade, is it not, Frank? Did you hear? Did you see Brian McClellan's con, uh, comments just about how, you know what? We saw a player who was frustrated, and you know the coaches tried working with him, and it, so it seems like there's definitely not a fit between the coach and the player. But that frust- same frustration existed on the other side in Detroit with Mantha, who was also a healthy scratch at times. Yeah. That there was lots of, you know, a a reputation that he had earned as sort of being a guy that doesn't show up to compete and is inconsistent. So whether this kind of rejuvenates both players or not, or if they both end up being sort of exactly what they are, I I tend to believe at this age, you are whatever you are and you're probably not changing. Uh, yeah, maybe. I know we've seen lots of guys though, that get, get to a new place and they're in a better organized, like a more of a winning atmosphere. And all of a sudden, like, you know, guys think they're working hard, Frank. And I've heard this from a lot of players. Yeah, I thought I was working hard. Then I got somewhere else. I'm like, damn, I'm not working as hard as I, I really thought I should be working. And you know what, maybe around Ovechkin and the rest of those guys, a Stanley cup team. And the, you know, they, they have a, a different, the, the, the level of expectation in, in Washington, even though Detroit wants it to be the same, it's not the same right now because they don't really know that group of players. How could it be? Right. Yeah. It just can't. But so. He, so here's the only thing. And I just think, and I, I hit on this a little bit, the timing of it is what's risky to me from Washington, because you're making such a drastic change for a team that's been kind of cruising right along uh, and has had a really good season. Yeah. Inserting Mantha could be exactly what they need. And it could be, some instant chemistry, but if it's not, and the season starts to go the other direction, you start to say, why did I do this? Well, here's a question. Do you think though, it was in response to the Islanders getting Paul Marion's Zajac and the Boston Bruins getting Taylor Hall and Riley and Lazar? It could be, but I doubt it. I mean, like you could make the argument at the end of the day that the caps are neutral. Like they're no better or no worse than they were when they had Verona. So I don't know that that played into it. I'm actually like at the end of the day, I'm most surprised they didn't get a goalie. It felt like that was their one kind of task heading into their goalies have played well this year. They have played well, but this was the year, especially with a million guys available again from Bernier to anti Ranta to the Columbus guys to whoever there was tons of guys available to say, Hey, we're going to bring this guy in as our third guy just in case we get to the point in the playoffs where our, our two guys who have never started a playoff game have hit a wall. 
Yeah, maybe. But I mean, I guess well, you could say they're going to turn to Craig Anderson at that point, but geez, yeah. I don't know. But, I don't know. I, I, I think to me, I'm not that concerned. Like both young goalies, both hitting a wall. Like it's a shortened season. Like, I, I don't know. I think at some point you got to see what they can do in the postseason. Um, it's, I, I, I didn't see any goalies. Like I'm still surprised Colorado went with Dubnik. I thought there might've been better options for them. So, you know, we'll, well see there were that. better options. It's just, they didn't, yeah. They didn't pull this. I like that Colorado team a lot. And I think the fact they didn't add a defense one makes me wonder if they believe Eric Johnson's coming back for the playoffs, kind of like Kucherov in Tampa Bay, which would be obviously a huge boon for uh, uh, Colorado if that happened, but let's stay in the East. Um, we, we've talked a lot about the Islanders trade cause it's been over a week now, but uh, what do you make of the Boston Bruins? Yeah. That's I like, a, like that's a low risk trade for them. Yeah, it is. I like that trade. Um, I was a little surprised they didn't add a depth defenseman. I think they were talking about a number of different players on Monday. Well, they and, got Riley from Ottawa. Right. Yeah. I, I think they were looking to do more just given oh, how okay. banged up their defense has been. I know Charlie McAvoy is super close. Um, there's a bunch of players that are right on the cusp of coming back to playing uh, Grizzlick Miller. Um, so they're getting closer uh, and Tuka Rask is getting really close too. So that's the other big part. I think people were wondering, is Boston going to go out and get a goalie? But I think what they decided was even if Rask does falter and for whatever reason, you know, my Intel suggested he had gotten a pair of cortisone shots over the last week and they were waiting to see how his body would respond that if Yaro Halak needs to be the guy that comes in and plays while well, Halak is just as good or better than anyone that you could get on the market. So they didn't do something there, but I think the hall trade, it was such, it was so low risk with serious potential upside that it just made too much sense. Um, and, and I don't think the market was very big for hall. I think there were a couple other teams and they were, it was like lukewarm interest. And I think you could see that in the return that they ended up getting in Buffalo. Well, also he had a no movement clause. So he kind of had a little bit of a say. Yeah, he did. But like, and I, I do think ultimately at the end of the day that he wanted to go to Boston but the Vegas Golden Knights and I, I think the Colorado Avalanche were another team. I think, um, you know, I couldn't have really gone wrong with any of them, right? Yeah, see, it's, it's, I look at Vegas. They don't look at their centers. They just acquired Matthias Yanmark today. Mm -hmm. And they've now got Chandler Stevenson. You throw in Wild Billy Carlson. And I, I look at Yanmark. And to me... Vegas and it's hard because there really wasn't many centers available, mm -hmm. but you know, adding Taylor hall would have been great, but they've got four good top six wingers right now. Mm -hmm. They need a centerman badly. And Yanmark, I like him. I think he's a really good player. I just like if him and Chandler Stevenson are, are kind of playing with stone and patch if you want to call that your top line, like that's just a big deficiency when you get deep in the playoffs against top teams. Cause no one's center position is that weak amongst the top teams. Yeah, I agree. I think this was a tertiary option for Vegas. I think they were in on so many different things um, from Hall. I believe they had a first round pick on the table for Felino. They tried on a lot of stuff and I'm so much more interested in the deadline in, in terms of what didn't happen versus what did. And the one thing to keep in mind about Yanmark and not saying he's a perfect fit, but he did play a little bit of center in Dallas. So I think there's maybe a little versatility there, but I think yeah. mostly everyone sees him as a winger. Yeah. Well, why, what, when you say what didn't happen, what, what other oh. things have you heard that were close and never came to fruition? Well, where do we start? Um, how about the Montreal Canadians? 
I believe they went down a path on Mike Hoffman. We talked about this previously. Uh, and this was recent. This was like Sunday, Monday, they were in on Hoffman. I think St. Louis had a couple different deals sitting on the table that the way that this team played, they were, you know, Doug Armstrong was waiting to make a decision and they go three and zero before the deadline heading in. And I think that kind of made it for him. And also the injury to Robert Thomas, I think, you know, hurt a little bit in terms of their flexibility to really do something. But the other one for Montreal was Nikita Zadaroff. Uh, my understanding is that they were, um, they were working pretty hard. Again, the, the asking price was high from Chicago. Um, but Zadaroff would have been an interesting fit on that blue line that already is tough, big, and oh, difficult yeah. to play against. Yeah. Like, especially with chariot coming back, why like that almost seems like too much is, you know, what's the old saying when you get to, to the trade deadline, yeah. you can never have too many defensemen. The average Stanley cup winner goes through nine in a given year, uh, in the playoffs. So, uh, Zadaroff would have been really interesting. Um, uh, I think Toronto, uh, they were in discussions, I believe at some point over the weekend before pulling the trigger on David Riddick, they were in on anti Ranta. Uh, that would have been interesting. And I think they ultimately decided, look for a position where we already have some health issues with Freddie Anderson and with Jack Campbell sort of seemingly hanging by a thread at times that anti Ranta and his health issues that, might just only compound the, the problem. So he wasn't as safe of a bet as Riddick. Um, and then there's the Tony D'Angelo uh, yes. scoop from Darren Dreger. That was fascinating that the Montreal Canadians uh, were ready and willing over the weekend to have D'Angelo mutually terminate his contract with the Rangers, step away from the money that's owed to him, go through the waiver process as part of that termination, and then sign him as a free agent. Exactly what happened with Nikita Gusev and the New Jersey Devils. Now, here's what's interesting. Yes, the Montreal Canadiens were in, but I know of three other I teams. Just going to say. In the last two weeks, maybe a little more than that, that had inquired and had conversations about adding Tony D'Angelo. And I didn't have an opportunity to bring it up on trade center today. And it's been such a hot button issue, but that's, you know, that to me, um, there's lots that go with Tony D'Angelo off the ice, but would have been a fascinating addition for a lot of reasons for a lot of teams as sort of that 45 to 60 point power play defenseman, that hasn't played in three months and has rested that could really contribute to your team for almost no cost to acquire. But here's the thing. They all had a chance to claim him on waivers before and they didn't. So those three teams but that, that was had at, interest, that at the full contract though. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but my point is, so he goes through the waiver process. You're saying none of them would have claimed him on waivers. So then you can buy him out. Then it would have been, it's a not a buyout. It's a mutual termination. Yeah, so termination. No, right, but the buyout is different. He's owed money. Yeah. This yeah. Sorry. A, but the term, but when you terminate his contract, he still has to clear waivers first. Correct. You correct. You, you right. say that yeah. you're declaring so that you're intending. I'm to just really terminate. though that the teams you're saying, cause I heard a team was interested, but not to claim him on waivers. They would have wanted to, to get in on the bidding process. You're saying you think there would have been three teams plus Montreal bidding for his services after he cleared waivers. Yes. Well, I think there was a team in the last week to 10 days that was interested in D'Angelo as a trade possibility. How much would the New York Rangers be willing to eat uh, mm. of D'Angelo's contract? And the answer was only the amount that would be equal to what the buyout is for 
next which season. is a third. Yeah. One third. So, uh, that made things difficult. And then, yeah, I think there were a hundred percent other teams that were interested, um, in D'Angelo if he could become a free agent. So I know he's, his camp turned it down and, and, you know, you can crunch the numbers on it, um, that, you know, maybe he saved himself 2.76, but that's, that's that, a little bit of a misnomer too. I by agree. The way, I agree because it does not factoring what in what he's going right. to and what he's going to earn himself for next year. You don't know what that is. Maybe he goes out and has a fantastic playoff and signs a bigger deal because he had the opportunity this year. So like it, it's obviously the, the Rangers, you don't expect them then like in the summertime for the Rangers to make a trade for D'Angelo, unless the return is, is really good. There's not there's much zero chance. That. He's 100% getting bought out and the Rangers have already committed to buying out Tony D'Angelo. The question is just, when is it executed? Is it right yeah. at the beginning of the off season? Do they make him wait until after the expansion draft? Uh, you know, who knows? But if you're the New York Rangers, Frank, w- w- would you not, if you want to limit your opposition's ability to get the guy they want, wouldn't you wait till that buyout and do it? Uh, well, I know there's, there's only a certain window of buyout. So I guess you have to do it in either the first or the second one. And I'd, I'd have to see if they have guys that can go to arbitration to enact that second one, but it would, in theory, it would make more sense to wait till the second buyout period, just because then there's fewer teams that are going to bid on him and potentially fewer top teams. I guess, I mean, you, you could do that, but, you'd also really be screwing the guy from getting the best opportunity. And this is someone that, you know, it's, it's arguable how this entire thing has been handled by the Rangers. Oh, totally. So, you know, they've, they've made him sit out since January 31st, you know, how much longer do they want to, you know, impact his ability to revive his career? Yeah, no. And that's fair. I like, and at what point are you, you know, are you just not saying, you know what, this didn't work out for either of us, you know, go on your merry way and, you know, just pray that, you know, he's not impacting your team on a regular basis in your division and, and give him a fair shake. Do you have any, uh, any three teams that you want to say that you think would be most likely to want it? Well, Montreal, we know obviously is one that would be interested to sign him. Anyone else? I don't think it's fair because there's so much, like you saw the blowback on Twitter uh, just with Montreal being connected to it. I, I just don't think it's fair to those teams or those GMs because obviously they didn't pull the trigger and do it. H- had it gone further down the path, then I think it would be fair. Uh, but we'll see what shakes out in the summer. Okay. Um, you look now at, uh, you know, in the North division, uh, Toronto is clearly going all in that, you know, they paid a lot for, for Nick Felino. Like I know people are saying, well, Hey, Barkley Goudreau and Blake Coleman were first rounders, uh, in return, but those guys were also under contract for the following year. Felino's a UFA right now. Now he could easily resign there, but right now he's the UFA and uh, there was a first, there's a third, there's a fourth to make the money work out. I look at that. They have to start him in their top six and hope that it really works out there. I, I just don't know if you want to pay that much for a guy who's going to be in your bottom six, because then there's just less chance he can contribute. I think that's the plan. I, I think they've always been looking for someone to play with John Tavares. And I think that's what they're hoping it, you know, is the fit kind of right from the start. And I think the bigger question is, and I guess we'll see soon enough once he's able to quarantine and come out, who comes out of the lineup? And maybe you would, you know, no one's praying for an injury, but it might make life really simple. If not, you're going to have a tough, some tough conversations. I think everyone's kind of thinking at this point that it's probably going to be Joe Thornton. 
Um, his lack of production, what is it? One assist in the last 16 or 18 games. It's been, um, it's been disappointing. Um, and so I think that was also kind of a worry when you're looking at processing a deal like this is what kind of impact. And we talked about this in the last episode is, and Tom Waddell mentioned it when he was on with us on the rundown was what, what kind of impact does it have on the chemistry of your team? Obviously Joe Thornton is a big personality. There's a big part of that team. Does that change anything? And I, I just think with a guy like Felino, that it's a little bit easier because there's a lot of respect already coming in. You know, it's a fascinating question on, on who comes in or out. I, I think Thornton, you know, Thornton Spets, they've got tons of experience now in that one. The, the other, the other acquisition that might play a bigger role potentially, and, and not because he'll play, but it illustrates that they've seriously got concerns about Freddie Anderson and when he's going to return. Yeah. I, I don't think it's so much the kid. And I, I know that I, I feel like I've downplayed this a lot. Um, I truly believe that the Leafs are confident that Freddie Anderson is going to be fine. But I think the conversation that existed was what if he isn't, we think he's going to be good. The doctors are telling us he's going to be good. The trainers are telling us he's going to be good. But what happens if 10 days from now we find out that he's not, we have no proof. And so the easiest way to, to mitigate that risk is to just go out and get a, a guy like Riddick for a third round pick. And, you know, then who knows what happens? What if Riddick, you know, ends up, you know, let's say Freddie ends up leaving in the off season pending UFA, does Riddick work in a tandem with Campbell moving forward? If Campbell's able to be show himself to be the guy down the stretch in the playoffs, like if Campbell keeps winning at a certain point, there's going to be a conversation of, is it even Freddie's net to return to when he comes back? No, that's fair. Like if, you know, you, you wonder if Jack is Jack Campbell, just kind of like a Mike Smith who didn't really find his stride till he's 29 years of age. And, you know, the mental side of goaltending position, there's a reason why there's so few goalies under the age of 25 regularly in the national hockey league. It's you just, mentioned Jordan Bennington too, is yeah. same vein. Yeah. There's, there's so many of them. It's a, it's just not a, I know people say, well, they should write like, you know, look at Carter Hart for every young goalie who plays great. Then they can have a tough year. Like it, it does seem to be the mentally uh, toughest position. Uh, no question about it. Um, the, the Nashville predators did nothing basically. I know they got good Branson, but for like a seventh rounder in, in 2023, the St. Louis blues, Frank, uh, did nothing. The Carolina Hurricanes, we had Don Waddell on the pod and he outlined the three positions that he really thought he wanted to upgrade. Are you surprised they did not nothing? And is, is there an inkling of whether or not that has to do with finances from owner? Zero inkling. It has nothing to do with finances. I can tell you that they tried like that. They really pushed to try and get something done. They, for the last two to three weeks, we're turning over just about every stone on the right shot defense market for guys with term. Like I'm telling you, I was going through cap friendly firing off names to different guys saying, does this guy make sense? Does this guy make sense? Yeah. We like this guy. We're trying on this guy. This team says we're not, they're not trading, you know, all sorts of questions. Um, and, and I, I think that they had entertained every possibility and had tried to stir the pot a bit, even in the days leading up to the deadline, just couldn't shake anything free. It was such a weird year that way. Um, and then I, with regards to the St. Louis blues, like I, I mentioned earlier, I think they had a number of te- options on the table. And I think that sort of three game winning streak and Jordan Bennington saying we're coming, uh, you know, they went from being quite a few points out in like 
oh, basically a week being in a playoff spot, uh, winning the right games. And I think with that team and, and their Stanley cup pedigree as well, like it just wasn't the time to tinker with things as much as I think, you know, just in talking to various sources in and around St. Louis that they got the sense Doug Armstrong really wanted to do something kind of hit a button and, and reshift his roster and, and, and change the look of this team. Just, it wasn't, it didn't materialize. So, um, and, and with regards to Nashville, I was told that they were in conversation still on Monday for one of their defensemen, whether it was Matthias Ekholm, whether it was Ryan Ellis. Uh, I think they were listening on just about anything and they just, they were waiting for a deal that would knock their socks off and it didn't happen. Now, Darren Dreger had mentioned this on trade center at the end that the Winnipeg jets had swung big at a big name defenseman in the last few hours before the deadline to try and make something happen. And it didn't materialize. I'm wondering if that guy was Ekholm. I don't think it was Alexiak because we got a sense early in the day that Jim Nil had pulled his pieces back and said, look, we're trying to keep our team together. We're not trading our UFAs that if, you know, once Nashville was still kind of in the game and picking up the phone, if Ekholm was that guy. Yeah, I wonder, because like I know today David Poyle mentioned, hey, we're not losing him to expansion. And when you look at Nashville's team, like there's no reason that they don't protect four defense, but there's not four forwards on that team that you're like, no. like if Seattle takes Ryan Johansson, I oh, think they're doing God. cartwheels in Nashville yeah. because of his cap hit. They would right? drive like, him to Seattle. Yeah, same, same even with Matt Duchesne, who's a good player, but at $8 million right now, he's not an $8 million player. So mm -hmm. I think that, like, I, I, there was all this speculation about, well, they got to trade a defense. And I'm like, no, they don't. They can protect four D-man easily with four forwards because you've got Arvidsson, you've got uh, Kunin, and you've got Forsberg. And then your fourth one, you can pick between Duchesne or, or Johansson or go down the list because mm -hmm. those guys, I know there's potential that they'll come back to, to being good players, but they just right now they're not $8 million players at all. Well, and once they were in a playoff spot, um, you know, and, and the sense was in the, over the weekend that they weren't moving their guys. I, I mean, we took Ekholm and, and Granlin right off the board, Eric Halla. Those guys never really seemed to be in the mix. The opportunity, I think if they wanted was to try and move a guy like Granlin, but once Toronto, for instance, they had the most interest. Once they went and got Felino, there was no sense really entertaining anything else. And then, you know, cause I thought Granlin presented a nice opportunity to sort of have the best of both worlds. If you trade Granlin, you have an eye towards the future and you have your other eye on trying to compete this year. Cause you're not really decimating your team's chances, but, um, you know, sticking with what they have and the team that they paid, you know, nearly $80 million to put together. I don't know that that's the wrong play. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with you. The, the thing that I'm, I'm very excited about now is you look in each division, you look in the East, the Islanders, the, the Bruins, the uh, Capitals, even the Penguins getting Jeff Carter. I'm not saying it's going to be a great move. We'll see, but they've all made moves. You look at Vegas and Colorado. One of them is going to have to play St. Louis, who, who might seem to be heating up at the right time. But Minnesota right. is not a complete, uh, uh, the free space in the bingo card either. Nope. And you got the North division where you got Toronto who, who went in big against the Montreal team 
who's got really good defense, really good goaltending. You know, they're, they're the, one of the best, well, they're the best team five on five in the NHL as far as goals for goals against, right? Edmonton and Winnipeg, neither team really did anything. You know, Edmonton, I, I felt upgraded their team with Kulikov. They clearly needed uh, some more size on the left side of their blue line. And the one area of weakness on the orders is they still give up too many goals five on five. Now, I'm not saying that Kulikov's like a star defender, but I think he could help them in an area of weakness for them. But I was more surprised that the Jets really, like they added Jordy Ben. Mm-hmm. And uh, to, to quote my buddy Strudwick, you know, Jordy Ben's kind of like uh, going to the Roxy on a Tuesday night. Like it's good, but it's not nearly as sexy as a Friday or a Saturday. That's a really good way to put it. Um, by the way, I've never actually, this is a confession. I've As many times as I've been to Vancouver, I've never been to the Roxy. Well, I almost went, I almost went with uh, O-Dog just to help, like try and help him find his gold medal. You didn't go with the draft. I didn't go with the draft. I didn't go when I was there Dude. for world junior. Like I, I didn't oh, go, Oh man, I I've never, never gone to the Roxy. Oh, the Roxy's fantastic. I've been there uh, many times. It was uh, got any, any club right now. I, I don't care. I could go to a, I could go to a bar, a bar in the field. And I yeah. would think it's great because it's been so long now. So to answer your question, you know, it was really funny. I was having a discussion and I was asking someone over the weekend about Kulikov and, and where he fits. And I think the price was right. So that made sense. Yes. Um, I think he does add a little bit of bite to your team as well. And the one there's a, you know, a couple question marks. One is he, he struggles at time to stay on the ice and stay healthy. And so you knock on wood and hope that that happens. Um, and, and the other part is he, he plays like 50 minutes of the game where you don't really notice him and he's fine. He, you know, makes some good plays, you know, doesn't, you know, do a whole lot, but this is, and this is what someone was relaying to me, someone that's seen him a ton that I trust. And they just say, when he makes a mistake though, it is like a grand slam home run. It's not just like you gave up a single it's, it's usually backbreaking. And so, yes, that's the the one real thing I'm curious watching the Oilers to see and, and stuff like that gets magnified. Um, but I think it makes sense from the Oilers perspective because he's better than what they had. And um, it, it was, again, it was that very specific price point that Ken Holland was talking about. We knew all along that they only wanted to trade their fourth. It's a conditional fourth and could become a third, but if you're winning around, you're probably pretty happy, right? Yeah. And it's not even the fourth this year. It's the fourth in 2022. Right. And, you know, you look at, at Edmonton and it, like Ken Holland, basically uh, he told me when I talked to him specifically that he said, Hey, I, I didn't go in saying I want a left defense. And I went in saying, these are the assets I'm willing to spend to get something. And and he felt he, he he was close on a few other things. And at the end, you know, for whatever reason, you know, it didn't work out between the two sides, but Edmonton had clear, I think um, areas of weakness. They they needed to improve on their left side defense. Their defense core had four guys, Frank, that are three guys under six feet and four guys, six feet, one and under, it's just not big enough in today's Mm -hmm. NHL playoffs to to go deep. I don't believe anyway, unless there's going to be some massive change in strategy. Uh, and the other so one second was, line left wing that that center position with the right shot. And then this one, uh, second pair left, uh, left defense. So yeah. they filled one of those holes, at least in a way that they felt comfortable, not Ken Holland, but talking to another GM, he said this deadline for him was like shopping at Gucci with a Walmart credit card. He, he didn't have the currency that he needed to pull off the trades that he really wanted to, 
but he was sort of nibbling around the edges, trying to find something that made his team marginally better for what he had to spend. So quickly, and then we'll get to a uh, buy or sell of all the trades uh, leading up to this in the last week, which one do you like the best and for which team? Hmm. I'm tempted to say Sam Bennett and Calgary because I thought that return worked out so well. Uh, I just like that Brad tree living just said, you know what? I'm going to trade. I'm going to trade Sam Bennett when I'm damn good and ready to doesn't matter that he's asked out. doesn't matter that he's unhappy or whatever it is. I want a specific return. And, and I think for a bottom six forward, I know they drafted him to be much better than that for a bottom six forward to get two second round picks is which is what it works out to with emo Heineman, uh, who was drafted in the second round last year that I don't think they could have done better, you know, and waited till the exact moment, but I think stylistically and fit, you know, taking out, which is maybe unfair to do the price paid. I really like the Nick Felino ad. I just think we don't, he's, he's what that team needed. Um, really difficult to play against. They saw it firsthand in Columbus in the playoffs. Like he was the engine of that Columbus team that gave the two teams that went to the Stanley cup final last, the last two years from the East in Boston and Tampa Columbus gave that those teams, their best run for their money in the playoffs. So he was a big part of that. Savard was a big part of that. Um, I, I do stylistically like the Felino fit a lot. Okay. Uh, for me, uh, just because the cost was was very minimal for what the upside is, so I like low risk because ve- the big price tags. You're going to say Taylor Hall? Always, pe- yeah, Taylor Boston. Like, and, and you know the the guy who not a lot of people talk about in that trade. I think Curtis Lazar is a Bruce Cassidy player all day long. Curtis Lazar's engine is just running all the time, and I mm-hmm. think that. Cassie likes players like that. I think you look at the, the kind of like they throw in peace really in that deal. I think Curtis Lazar is a guy that's, it's going to flourish in Boston for the style that they play for what you want from that role type of player. But I, I think the potential for hall, because they were also talking in the summertime, he goes there. You, you heard him talk today about how he admitted, you know, I'm not the most confident player right now. He gets to go into to Boston. You know, there's Pasternak, there's Bergeron, there's Marchand. Like by far the best team he's ever played on. Yeah, there's very little pressure on him. He's not going to have to face the other team's top lines anymore most nights. And uh, David Krejci's a good playmaker. Um, I, I think if I was Taylor Hall, what I might do is have a have a, I don't know. I, I might break a stick and go in with a brand new twig just to uh, to be slightly jokingly superstitious. And uh, you know, he's going in with a number he's never worn. I know he was debating between 91 and 71, but he wore 91 in Arizona and just went to 71. Like, you know, why not? Mm-hmm. And we'll see how it goes. But I like that for low risk. And the other one, though, that I know it costs a lot, but Tampa Bay to get David Savard is just they're basically giving the proverbial finger to the rest of the league because not only do they get Savard, we all know they're getting Kucherov back. Mm-hmm. And David Savard's a really good defenseman who just fills the void of the guys they left last year. They still have McDonough. They still have Hedman. They still have Sergachev. They still have Cernak. And oh, by the way, now you have David Savard. So I, I just, I think yeah. that puts Tampa as the, the clear favorite in my eyes. And it gives, there's Boston no hole there, right? Like their division. Like they even add like Freddie Clayson, not that he's any sort of addition, but he's like, 
they have like 10 defensemen now, almost like five, you know, five or six defensemen on each hand, right and left that they can turn to if they need to. Yeah. It's wow. crazy how deep they are. And it's crazy. Just, I think that brings their total salary commitment to the year to like $103 million. Yeah. Well, they're not afraid to spend the money right now. The no. owners, well, Hey, you, you go back to back, Frank, you'll make all that money back in a lot of other ways. Well, speaking of uh, low price, and it, it was kind of under the radar in terms of the addition. And speaking of lack of confidence coming from Buffalo, I really like the Brandon Montour for a third in Florida. I think he's a guy. Uh, I think Bill D- Bill Zito did had a few nice pieces of business. That trade to Chicago on loading the Connolly contract was brilliant because you know you trade a guy in Bor- in Borgstrom that you don't think is is going to play for you and has the confidence to play for you. And even if he did, doesn't, there's no spot for him. And that's the price you pay instead of, you know, a first round pick or a second round pick to unload that contract for Connolly. Uh, that was smart. And then the Montour for a third round pick. I think he's a guy that obviously he skates well. He was a, a valued piece in Anaheim. They gave up Shea Theodore to, to protect Brandon Montour and some other guys. Um, I, I think he's a guy that, could really do do well on on that Florida team that's played well all season long. Yeah, well, the you just look at the divisions like those top three teams there: Bat, Carolina, and Tampa, and Florida. And first place, the race for first place there is huge. Yeah, then you got the four teams in the East. The North divisions have some good matchups that seem to be set already. And then uh, you know the West. I think St. Louis is ultimately going to get that four spot at the end. And if they come into the playoffs hot, who knows? So I can't wait for the playoffs to start. It's a month away, unfortunately, but I wish we could get going right now. So uh, let's get into uh buy or sell as we bring in uh, producer uh, Tyler Remchuk back in. Ty, how you doing? I am good. I am good. Frank, you were in the last leg of your marathon day. So one more yep. deep breath. It's almost over. Uh, buy or sell as always is brought to you by jock market, the hybrid between fantasy sports and the stock market. If you want to play, go jockmkt.com. Use the promo code DFO 20 gets you a $20 deposit bonus. Uh, you guys started the pod by talking about Mantha for Verana. And that's exactly where I'm going to go with the first buy or sell question. I think Jacob Verana will see his stock boost the most out of all the players dealt on deadline day. Frank, do you buy? Do you sell? If you sell, tell me whose stock you think will shoot up the most out of all the players traded today. Hmm. I'm going to sell just because he's going to Detroit. I mean, it's, it's a tough place to play. It's a tough place to see your stock rise and it's not going to be a place anytime soon where that stock is going to be rising. Um, I would say of all the players traded on Monday, um, I don't know. I interesting. I don't re- like none really jump out to me as um as someone whose stock is really going to be on the rise on Monday. So all you know is that I'm wrong for saying Verana. That's the whole take. <laughs> That's it. Like I'm yeah. selling all day long on Verana's stock rising in in any sort of the short term future. Uh, it's funny. I actually think Mantha is going to be the biggest benefactor because just look at his two centers. He's going to play with in Washington. You either got Kuznetsov or Backstrom pick the line. I don't know when he's going to rotate around. Uh, if he gets some gravy time every now and then in that power play, uh, I think Mantha goes into a winning tradition. I think he's, he's going to become the player that, that people felt he could be and be become a little bit more consistent. So I'm going to say Anthony Mantha. So I'm selling too. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Number two, this one comes from Dan on Twitter. He is big on the Bruins adding Taylor Hall. He says that move makes them a dark horse Stanley Cup contender. Jason, are you buying or selling? Oh, as a dark horse, yeah, I would buy that for sure. I, I, I look at the the Islanders, uh, the Capitals, the 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 Bruins, like Boston. They're still where they're at, despite just being ravaged by injuries on the back end. And you know, Taylor Hall comes in right now, and you know, you, you see people around the league, people, oh, Taylor Hall's done. Like, um, you know, when you're a Hart Trophy winner, it's kind of hard to say your stock's going to rise again because it's kind of hard to get higher than that. But <laughs> I, I think there's a guy that comes in with no pressure in, in, in Boston and uh, gives them an opportunity. He's historically been a player uh, and in lots of places where he didn't play with great players who still was a driver in possession all the time. He struggled this year. I counted seven breakaways. He's missed seven. That's no. not going to happen uh, again. So I think the Bruins for sure could be a dark horse. I'm going to sell. Um, I just, something has been off on that Bruins team. They've been all over the place and I know they've had injuries. Their defense is banged up. Their goaltenders are banged up. Uh, they've got that core that just, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I just, I'm thinking of the mountain of teams they have to go through in the East. Like, I I don't know that they're a dark horse contender to win their division, let alone the Stanley cup. So I'm going to sell. Number three, you touched on this one a little bit as well, but I'm saying Florida made the overpay of the day in their deal getting Sam Bennett. Frank, are you buying or selling? Was that the biggest overpay we saw? Yeah, I'm going to buy that. I, I think so. Like I said, bottom six forward. I get that he's a proven playoff performer and you like that sort of texture that you're adding to your team. But I think with all the smart moves that Bill Zito did in terms of preserving some of the currency that he had to give some of that away. Um, I don't know that Sam Bennett is a guy that's putting your team over the top and I'd be happy to eat my words. If the Florida Panthers win the Stanley cup. Well, I don't think they're winning the cup, but the, the benefit they have is he's an RFA. So they could still be able to control his rights. Even if they have to qualify him at the 2.9, I think the overpay was Felino, a first, a third and a fourth for, you know, and Hey, I, I get that. He's, he's got all the intangibles in the world. I, I don't question that at all, but that's a lot to give up for it's a, a guy. first and two fourths, right? Yeah. I think first it was a first and two, fourths. first and two fourths. There's no third in there. Oh, I thought it was a third and a fourth. Um, either way, First and two, well, third and fourth, whatever. Two fours and, and a, it's three picks for a guy who, yeah, I, I just think that's that's a real big ask for somebody who might walk after this year's postseason. It's almost and like he's likely read- to walk, by the way, because yeah. there was already talk that he could go back to Columbus. Uh, I don't know if there's any sort of idea or conversation that seed yeah. that's been planted. And also, I, I just don't really, unless he's taking a bargain deal, I don't know how the Leafs afford it. Yeah. It's almost like you guys read my mind. That's where I was going next on buy or sell. Uh, Even though the price was high, even though some Leafs fans may have wanted Taylor Hall, I believe Nick Foligno was the perfect fit for this Toronto Maple Leafs roster. Jason, are you buying or selling on Foligno? Maybe not being the best player, but the perfect fit. Well, he's a good fit. I'll, I'll say that. And I know that, that some people, well, you just said he's overpaid. Well, you can be overpaid and a good fit at the same time. Uh, Can you? Why can't you? He's a good fit. I just wouldn't have wanted to pay. Like it's a good fit. It's like, Hey, you know what? I really like to have a nice tiger suit. I'm not going to go pay two grand for it when I know I can get it for a thousand. I mean, I I guess, but like, this is a team that it's going to take forever to see those picks in your lineup. If you ever do. 
and they're right there knocking on the door with, you know, the a fantastic opportunity and maybe the easiest year ever to get to the semifinals, knowing the teams that you have to beat ahead of time. I don't know. I, I, I think at a certain point, you know, whether it was a second and a fourth or a first and two fourths, I, how, like how much of an overpay is it? If, if, the, if that is your best determined fit, I, I think that's what you do. Yeah. Well, I just, to me, you go in knowing what you want to spend as capital. And I think Dubas was, was, and he said this for months, we all knew he was willing to part with his first round pick. So I think he had it in his head that that's not an overpayment and that's his choice. And I, and, and I respect him for doing it, but I think Nick Felino can be a good fit on your team. I just wouldn't have, I wouldn't have wanted to pay that high of a price for him, but Hey, I guess if that was the going rate, then great. But to me, I think it's a good fit for their player. I just think they overpaid to get him. Frank, you buying or selling? Yeah, I'm buying. Um, I I think, you know, for all the reasons mentioned why, and I think the funny thing about the fit for Nick Foligno is that in an odd way, they kind of backed their way into it. You know, I I get that some Leaf fans might've wanted Taylor Hall for the price that was paid. They never had any interest in Taylor Hall to my knowledge. Um, He was the kind of the opposite of a good stylistic fit. And I think some of the other guys that they looked at, I think they were interested in Palmieri may not have been as good of a fit as Felino is. And I think with Granlin, same thing may not have been as good of a fit um, as Felino. So, you know, Granlin stays in Nashville. They, d- they have to move on. Then Palmieri goes to the Islanders and they have to move on. They end up with Felino as this guy that's sort of, um, you know, maybe they should have started with from the beginning. Last one here. We're going to stick up in the North division. I think the jets may have made a mistake by not going a little bit more all in and maybe sacrificing some more significant future assets. Frank, you buy or sell that the jets made a mistake, not loading up at the deadline. I'm going to sell just because I, I, when you look at the guys that were left and you look at the guys that did get traded, I don't know that any one of those guys, you know, you're willing to, pay a huge price to get, are they really big difference makers and impact players? I, I really don't think so. You know, it'd be different if we were talking about an at home, but like I said, I, we took him off the board. He wasn't available for the most part in Nashville. And if they entertain conversations on Monday, then that's a different story. But for the guys that were in and around the trade bait world, um, you know, you mentioned the price that, that Tampa paid for David Savard. And, and that's a lot. Uh, I don't think that Winnipeg was in love with him at that price. And I think, you know, ultimately it's, it's tough when there's pressure on you in your market to, to make us a, a move of significance, but sometimes prudence is the better part of valor. Yeah, I, I agree with the fact that of the current guys who got traded for left defense, you know what, uh, to, to, to go in and get any of them, like Kulikov wasn't going to necessarily fit there. They been there, you know, done that. They, they had Forbert, right. But I look at, I would have tried to take a bigger swing. Cause I think Alexiak would have been a better addition than Jamie Ben. Right. And I don't think Jamie Alexiak. hundred percent. But Jamie Alexiak would have cost you a first round pick. Wow. What? That's what I, that's what I think. Cause the stars, they weren't willing to move him. It was like, hmm. present me with a real big boy offer or yeah. we're not even having a conversation. Well, it, then, Hey, obviously I'm not going to pay a first round pick for Jamie Alexiak, but, uh, and if that like, Hey, unless they really want to resign him, which is great. But if, if somehow Jamie Alexiak walks because Dallas, I don't believe is making the playoffs Their games in hand have dwindled down uh, from Nashville. There's still that many points back now. So if you lose Jamie Alexiak, 
because you were asking too much. Like I just, he's not a player that I, I would live or die. Like, I think he's gonna be a good addition to your team and can really help. But at the same time, if I don't think I'm going to re-sign him and he walks out of Dallas to me, that's a mistake. So I would, I don't know. I would have given up a second round pick for Jamie Alexiak and not really thought twice about it because I think for the jets, a team that they haven't had playoff success, Frank, in a long time, like even just winning a round. They right? went to like the that, Western conference final in 2018. Yeah, but they have, that's four four years ago now. Three years ago. <laughs> I mean, like, Poor this is a cyclical sport. I mean, like, yeah. I, I get it, but at the same time, we've been knocking on the Jets all year for their defense, and they've managed just fine to this point. Like, they're right there in the thick of the North. Yeah, but we both know playoff-style hockey is very different, right? It like, is. in Toronto, because if you say that the path is that easy out of the North... I'm not saying it's that that easy. easy. It's it's so clearly defined. It's unlike any other year. Other years you're dealing with wild card teams. You don't know what the matchups look like. You know that if at this point, you know, you know what the landscape looks like. There's only three teams that you can play and you're only going to play two of them. Oh no, I agree. So then isn't that the year to do it then? It, it, it is the year to do it, but I'm saying based on what, what ended up being actually available, and, and unless you were really willing to pay a ridiculous price, Jamie Alexiak wasn't available. I think a lot of teams wouldn't, would have given up a second round pick for Jamie Alexiak, but they wanted a first, I think, and they plan on re-signing him. And I think it's one of those things that's going to wait until after the expansion yeah. draft, because there's no sense in signing him before then that I, I, I think it's hard to swallow, but I think they ended up making the right move given what was available. Yeah, well, we'll see. I think the Jets, I felt of all the teams that were close that I didn't expect them to make a massive move, but I like the Jets team. And I felt like they did a little disservice to their team by only adding Jordy Ben. Winnipeg and Carolina, I think are those two teams you oh, kind of feel like underwhelmed 100%. about, right? Yeah. And and you know what? To be fair, I kind of feel that way about Colorado too. I was just going to say Colorado, like, Dubiak, I think, Soderberg really and Nemeth, the, like, they're a fantastic team. But again, why aren't you trying to put your team over the top? And maybe it again comes back to the same thing of what I was saying is you can only deal with what's out there, but I don't know. Those are like three really underwhelming guys. I can't believe Devin Dubnik is the guy with a sub 900 save percentage. The last number of years is your guy. Yeah. I I'm, I'm with you on that, Frank. And I, I have to think, and I talked to some people in Colorado that they get the suspicion that maybe Johnson's returning. Cause if he does, then I can get why you didn't go out for a better defenseman. But Mm -hmm. if not, I'm like, man, that could be a lost opportunity because I agree. I think Colorado is loaded and they Mm -hmm. just, they, another defenseman would have been huge for them better than Patrick Nemeth. Especially when you see Tampa do what they did with Savard, you're like, well, if that's the team we're squaring off against in the cup final, it's hard to argue a way in which they're not deeper. Yeah, totally. There you go. There's another spirited edition of buy or sell brought to you by jock market. Use that promo code DFO 20 gets you a $20 deposit bonus at jockmkt.com, And you can buy up all that sweet, sweet Jacob Verana stock. I felt really stupid at the, the first answer to buy or sell. Cause I was trying to think like you which, play, which player whose stock is really going to rise. And I'm looking at the list and I was saying, well, is it Yanmark? You know, there's not really a lot of guys that you see that were moved on Monday that you say this guy, he's on a rocket trajectory towards his stock rising. Did well, Anders Bork, because he might get the most new opportunities. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I, I, maybe, I mean, like, I just can't imagine anyone in Buffalo has a pulse at this point. 
Like, oh, what do you yeah. think his feeling was like? Is like I'm going from a somewhat contending team in Boston and I'm going to Buffalo? Well, you just look at the teams, Frank, that are out of it. Cause it's it's almost there's not very many playoff races. There's seeding races in a lot of the divisions, but there's not a ton like in the central. I'm not even sure Chicago and Dallas, like they're in, but not much. Um, San Jose, are they really in maybe Arizona kind of, but there's really no race in the North. There's mm-hmm. really no like Philadelphia and the Rangers, like with what Boston did there, those two teams, like there's another Philly, Philly sold off pieces. I mean, Michael Raffle, yeah, like, Eric Gustafson, they re-signed Scott Lawton, but they, that was a message from Chuck Fletcher to the core of that team, you beat Boston on Saturday and you drop a stinker on Sunday against Buffalo. As you're trying to stay in the playoff race, you don't deserve to. Oof, yeah, that was a, that was a tough one. So I'll kind of be fascinated to see what plays out. Uh, enjoy some time off Frank and uh, we will chat with you next Monday. Thanks. I'm going to go reintroduce my, uh, myself to my friend, uncle Tito, little Tito's vodka. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.